right, welcome back to the big program. Let's talk a little NFL football now. Last night, great Thursday night game between Seattle and Dallas, and the Cowboys just pull it out over the uh, Seahawks. And we've got another good one, hopefully coming up on Sunday night as the Kansas City Chiefs visit the Green Bay Packers. And we welcome in Rob Demosky from ESPN.com to cover the Packers. And uh, Rob, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for checking in. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Doing great up here. Doing great. And we're really looking forward to this game because the Packers are sort of coming on a bit of a late, but a real stiff test with a, a tough Kansas City Chiefs team. Uh, how do you see this one uh, shaking down for Sunday night? Well, I mean, the Packers certainly can't be feeling much better about themselves than they do now after what they've done over the last month or so. Remember, Kevin, they were 2-5, and five, yeah. and there were all kinds of questions about you know whether they should start just tanking for draft picks, whether Jordan loves was was even you know remotely close to being the guy, and now here they are having won three of the last four, and really could have been on a four game winning streak if not for the tough one in Pittsburgh. Uh, they come off the Thanksgiving game at Detroit, and the feeling around here is just it's just so much different than it was. Now, does that mean they're going to go give the defending champs you know all they can handle on Sunday night? I mean, not necessarily, but they certainly feel better about where they are now. Uh, and in the big picture of things, while this game is is hugely important um, from going out and showing you can you can kind of hang with the big boys, they still even if they don't get this one, they're still in a pretty good position yeah. based on what their schedule looks like and what the rest of the NFC looks like of making a serious push for a wild card spot. Yeah, that schedule really shapes up nicely for Green Bay, but again, a tough opponent in between as far as Kansas City goes on Sunday night. Rob, what impressed you the most about the Packers' win in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day? I guess just the way they started the game. Um, they, they had been starting very slowly. Uh, you know, the offense had struggled. You know, through the first halves, and, and really had had some really good second halves. And they came out, and um, Coach Matt LaFleur decided that he was going, if they won the coin toss, instead of deferring the choice in the second half, which they normally do, uh, he was going to take the ball and see if they could go get a lead. And on the first play of the game, they dialed up a deep ball to Christian Watson, who, you know, quite frankly, has not had a great year. And Watson came down with a 53-yarder, and they, they go on to score a couple plays later on that drive. The interesting thing about that, Kevin, is that they had this play picked out, you know, a couple days before the game, and on the morning of the game, LaFleur was getting second thoughts about starting with that deep shot, and he texted Jordan at the hotel and said, you know, I think we might go with something else. And, and mm. Jordan told him, no, let's stick with it. Um, and, and they did. And I think that was kind of a sign of, of some growth and maturity on Love's part and, and some, some yeah. trust. Uh, from the coaches to stay with it. Uh, Rob Demosky, ESPN.com is our guest on Sports 1440. So when you cover these guys, Rob, and they see their coach wanting to be aggressive and having the faith, uh, what they must be just over the moon with that confidence that they're being shown. Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing is that this team is so young that I'm not sure they know any different. Like, they, they are... They're the youngest team in the league. They have the youngest skill positions. And, and like, I mean, their receivers, the most experienced receivers they have are not done with their second NFL season yet. Uh, same thing with most of the tight end group. They're all rookies. And uh, I just, I don't know that they know any better. I just think they think that, you know, all right, this is what's, what's called. Let's go out and make it happen. And, um, you know, they've really had some, some bright spots on offense. Um, you know, I was talking to Jaden Reed, their second-round pick, yeah. Uh, on a, um, a Michigan State receiver who's really, really had a, a big impact. He's banged up this week, and there's some concern whether he'll go. 
But but he was, you know, he, he just was saying that, that this is kind of, they, they, they don't really know any better. They're just kind of experiencing all this sort of for the first time, and, and they're just kind of relying on what they've done throughout the whole this whole process, which really started back in, in May when they first got here after the draft. And, um, you know, I think the good thing is that they probably don't know what they don't know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Rob Demosky, ESPN.com, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Reed and he, or Jaden Reed, pardon me. He's been getting better and better, looking better and better as the year progresses. Hopefully he's okay. But what about other guys that are banged up? Uh, most notably, Aaron Jones has been banged up. Uh, how are the Packers looking yeah. injury-wise? Yeah, it doesn't look like Jones will play. Um, he just has that knee injury that he suffered, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago against the Chargers, and he missed the Lions game, and he probably missed this game. A.J. Dillon is back up. He's banged up, too. So the running game is, you know, they're going to have a hard time, um, you know, finding a consistent run game. But they did a nice job, uh, you know, adjusting to it with some, some quick passing stuff, some, some screens and some quick, quick passes against the Lions that essentially kind of act as running plays. They're actually getting healthy in the secondary, which I guess if you're going to get healthy in one area, uh, you know, the week you're playing Patrick Mahomes in this passing game, that might be the one to do it. They're all pro cornerback Jair Alexander has missed four of the last five games, is trending toward playing. He's had a shoulder injury. Looks like they're going to get starting safety Darnell Savage back. He was on IR, missed four weeks with a calf injury. Um, Eric Stokes, a former first-round pick who really hasn't played at all this year, has a chance to play this week. Now he probably would just be in a limited role. But they're getting players back and getting you know good players back. All three of those guys I mentioned in the secondary are former first-round draft picks. So uh, mm. they, they do appear to be, uh, while their injury list is really long, I mean really long, uh, I think there's 15 or more names on the list this mm. week. They, they are getting some guys back. And, and, and I think against a, you know an offense like Mahomes and, and what they have uh, – with their their running game, which I think is underrated, and then Travis Kelsey uh, and the receivers are obviously uh, huge weapons. Uh, just to stay with the running game for the Packers, so if Dylan's banged up too, uh, will we see a lot more of Patrick Taylor, or what's the situation there? Yeah, I mean Pat, Patrick Taylor's the next guy up. Dylan's going to play. Um, he's just he's got a groin injury, and you know he 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 was banged up going into last week's game, and and he played, and and he then this week he wasn't able to practice. Um, Wednesday, he did practice yesterday, and, and I sh- I, we will be out there in about an hour. I expect to see him out there again. But, you know, an injury like that, I mean, you know, who knows when he, he might have a setback. Um, so Patrick Taylor is, is, the, is the next guy up. And, you know, two weeks ago he was sitting in his apartment in New England uh, while the pa- Patriots were on their bye week. He was a member of their practice squad, and he watched Jones and Emmanuel Wilson, another rookie running back, get hurt. And he said, well, I bet, I bet I'm going back to Green Bay. And, <laughs> And here he is, and, and, and Patrick Taylor is an interesting guy because he first came to Green Bay in 2000, was on the practice squad for like two and a half years uh, before he got a chance on the roster, and then he got his chance, and then they caught him mid- midway through this year. So uh, this is, he, while, while he's a new name to, to fans, he's not new to the Packers. He's been here, and he knows what they want to do on offense. Rob, I, when you were mentioning the KC running game, I'm assuming you were talking about Isaiah Pacheco. Had a couple of rushing yeah. TDs uh, last week. Uh, how does the Packers D-line and linebacking core, for that matter, uh, stack up against a guy like uh, who's a, a real true scatter in uh, Pacheco? He is, and that, that that's, the, that's what I was talking about there, Kevin. And You know, the Packers' run defense has been a question mark all season. It's seemingly been a question mark here for the last several years. They just... When they get beat in important games, it seems like it's always the running game. They, they're the only team in the league 
that has allowed three teams to rush for 200 yards in a game uh, this season. The most recent time was the Pittsburgh game uh, uh, last month. So that's a huge area of concern for for whatever reason, and I I can't put my finger on it. It seems like the Packers can't either. Uh, For whatever reason, they just have not been able to field a really, really strong run defense here over the last, I would say, almost a decade. Hmm. Uh, so, where, does everything go around Rashawn Gary on defense, or how, how? What's the dynamic of well, the from Packers the, from the pass rush standpoint? Yeah. It does I, I? And I think I think Gary's getting better in the run game. You know, it, it's it's kind of crazy to sit here and think, well, they just gave this guy, you know, one of the richest contracts, you know, for a pass rusher that they've ever handed out, and yet we're questioning, you know, whether he's good against the run. Um, there's no doubt he's a premier pass rusher. I do think that they would like to see him become a bigger force in the run game. Um, kind of a little bit like Clay Matthews became as his career progressed. Uh, But, you know, they they do have uh, a guy. He's a star to build around. Um, Their defensive line has a really solid guy, Kenny Clark, another former first-round pick. They have first-round picks just all over this defense, and it's like like the sum hasn't measured up to the parts. Like Mm -hmm. the the parts, you know, should be uh, adding up to this, this dominant defense, but... Uh, for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. So you've had a few articles in the last few days, Rob, on ESPN.com, uh, uh, most notably, I guess, with Jordan Love. So do you see him as the real answer here moving forward at quarterback uh, as as far as the future goes for this team? Yeah, I feel like all my articles this year have been about <laughs> Jordan Love because yeah. that's kind of like the that was the thing going into the season. The yeah. most important thing that they needed to find out this season was whether Jordan Love was good enough to be the guy moving forward. And, you know, five, four, five, six weeks ago, I, I would have told you that, that I don't know if they can be sure of that. I think where they're at now, I think they feel really good at least about him being their quarterback next year uh, and, and having laid a solid foundation for, you know, a guy who potentially could be, you know, the franchise quarterback. They're going to have, you know, they have him under contract for next year. Um, so, so they technically don't have to do anything. You know, you can let it play out. But I think based on how this season goes, these final five games, um, I, I think that could determine whether, you know, come next summer that they, they really lock Jordan Love into being, you know, their guy with a big contract extension. Or, you know, depending on how it goes, they just sort of let him mm-hmm. go into next season and, and sort of a wait-and-see attitude. But I would say if you took where, where he was at the start of the season to where he is now, they feel much, much better about the chances that he's going to end up being the guy. Hey, Rob, out of all the receivers, whether it be Dobbs, Reed, or, you know, or Watson, who do you think he has the most chemistry with? Yeah, I would have said going into the season, I would have said Dobbs. Um, those guys, you know, seem to have in training camp last year when, when Love was, was the backup and Dobbs was getting a lot of backup uh, snaps. They seem to develop a chemistry. They worked out together this offseason. And, and this isn't a knock on Dobbs. I mean, he's had a, he's had some decent games. But it sure seems like uh, Jaden Reed sort of has a little bit of a chemistry with them. And I would say this, too. There's another rookie that we haven't even talked about. Fifth-round pick, Dontavian Wicks, lately has shown a knack for, for making plays. Uh, you know, I, I do think you, you, you bring up a really good question, uh, Kevin, because I'm not sure at this point that Jordan Love has a guy like Aaron Rodgers had with, with Jordy Nelson or James Jones or, or even Greg Jennings. Like, I don't know that he has that mm-hmm. yet, and I'm not saying that guy's not necessarily on the roster. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But I don't think we've quite identified it yet. And maybe it's too bad. You know, Luke Musgrave, is he going to be back this year? Yeah. 
Is he going to be back? Yeah, boy, it's, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. I mean, it's a lacerated kidney. Oof, uh, yeah. But I, I would. He, he's another guy that I'm glad you mentioned that. This guy's got a chance to be, uh, you know, a, a, a real big star. I, I got to be honest, in all my time covering the Packers, I think this is 26 or 27 years, I've never seen a player with a lacerated kidney, so I don't know. I don't know what the recovery is like yeah. with that, uh, but he is a very, very promising uh, young player. So, would he have been? Would you say he had some chemistry building with Love at the start here? He, he certainly did, um, and and he was was coming on, you know, more and more. Uh, Tucker Craft, another. I feel like it's just another rookie yeah. we talk about, tight end Tucker Craft. Uh, you know, he's another guy that that has made a couple plays the last couple weeks. Had his first career touchdown, made a big play. Uh, against the Chargers after you know uh, late in that game, so I mean there there's there are so many options. There's just not one where you sit here and say, okay, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many Packer fans up here, Rob. We had yeah. uh, last week, uh, last Friday, we had uh, Red Batty text our show, and oh, uh, Red's the best, isn't he? He's the salt of the earth. We he had three of his close friends that were in studio with us, all longtime you know equipment managers here in Edmonton with the sports teams. So I actually I contacted Red on. Thursday night after the game in Detroit I said is there a chance you could come on for like one or two minutes and he said I'm just swamped I'm sorry I'd love to but I I can't come on but uh, that just shows you what kind of guy you know he he got back to me about nine in the morning on the Friday so I ran into Red uh, this week at the grocery store believe it or not on Tuesday which is the player's day off and I I said I can't believe I've never seen you not working Uh, (laughs) he he was I got a quick few minutes I gotta go pick up some groceries and I actually told him I said well I go, I don't know if you're a big reader, but I'm reading this hockey book called Bear Town. I said, I think you'd realize a hockey guy, I think you'd really like it. And he, yeah. he wrote it down on his phone and said he's going to check it out. So uh, Red is, uh, I tell you what, he's, he does Canada proud. There's no question about that. It, we were talking earlier, he's done so many uh, trips from, you know, a standpoint of uh, charity auctions to get, you know, Edmontonians, Albertans, or even Canadians down yeah. to Green Bay, you know, on the sidelines, in the room, things like yeah. that. So. You're exactly right. He does Canada. He does Green Bay proud for sure. No doubt. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, Rob. Uh, appreciate your time. It should be a good one to watch Sunday night. Uh, we'll be watching it, and I'm sure you'll be uh, having a good report on it on Monday morning. Thanks for this. Well, I appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks, Rob. That's uh, Rob Domoski, ESPN.com, covers the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be a doozy. should be on uh, Sunday night. Packers are coming on, and, you know, the way Detroit's slipping just a tiny bit, Minnesota, not really there. And you heard Rob talk about the schedule for Green Bay. If they could somehow just eke out a win tonight, uh, sorry, on Sunday night, just eke out a win Sunday night over the Chiefs, you know, after that, things are a lot easier schedule-wise for the Green Bay Packers because they've got uh, the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, and then they close out against the Vikings and Bears. So, man, you know, they could eat, they could run the table here if they win tonight. They, they very much control their own destiny, and they've put themselves in a great spot with some big wins the past few weekends, like you just talked about with Rob. And, like, that schedule you just listed yeah. out, like, it is not unreasonable to think they can win every single one of those games. So uh, it starts with a big test here against the Chiefs, but I think even if they don't come out with a victory, as long as they compete and play well, yeah. and Jordan uh, Love still continues to show uh, what he 
sort of the start of the year and then took a little bit of a dip and now is kind of coming back strong. As long as that all continues, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic for a for a Packers fan base that probably didn't come into this season with very high expectations. Fair, yeah. If you can just eke out a win tonight, you're 500, 6-6, six and yeah. six, and you got, again, those teams that at the end, and I mean, Detroit's got uh, Minnesota twice, so everyone's beating each other here. Yeah, the, no, the, north, uh, the North will shake itself uh, yeah. out in pretty quick order here. And there are still, again, ever since, as we talked about many times, Duke, ever since they went to the 17 games, it's almost impossible to figure things out yeah. because there's so many teams that have the variables, have the chances to get in. Yeah. So uh, when we come back, Cody Jansen from the Saskatchewan Rush as the NLL gets underway. Uh, the Rush in Halifax uh, tonight. That's coming up after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, we're jumping now, Duke. Here we go. Uh, time to elevate our game and elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of your residence uh, with a home elevator or lift. You can learn a whole lot more at TrustRam. Dot com as we welcome in Cody Jansen, Saskatchewan Rush, play-by-play. Man, as the uh, NLL is uh, set to get underway as the uh, Rush take on the, well, the Halifax Thunderbirds all the way out in uh, the, west, the East Coast. So a long trip for Cody to make it. Uh, and uh, Cody, welcome to Sports 1440. How are you? Hey, happy to be here. Yeah, it's a, it's a little nice to be settled in after a long flight. Not an easy place to get to. Oh, it isn't. And, you know, we were talking earlier in the show, Cody, every time the NLL, you know, tips off the season, and in particular the Rush, it feels sad. It kind of feels sad around here because, of course, you know, the Rush were in Edmonton for so many years, moved to Saskatchewan. I think the level of excellence has stayed the same. But for us, I think, in Edmonton, we kind of feel a little bit sad. But for you, this is a, a, a joyous occasion and a good start and a and a great time to be a lacrosse fan and the crazy part about the team leaving back in 2015 2016 is that the game itself has still continued to grow around the edmonton area obviously our head coach jimmy quinlan edmonton legend there you know number up in the rafters but just the edmonton products that are flowing through the league continues to go up like i think of the rush roster alone you've got mike triolo from edmonton you've got camwin graniak you've got jake bowen there's a lot of rocky mountain lacrosse league talent that can continues to grow and that is large in part due to you know what Edmonton and Calgary did bring to the league in the game of lacrosse you know five Mm -hmm. ten years ago wouldn't it be great to have another team back here I mean a lot of people talk about it all the time there's a there's a chance down the road obviously you would have to take you know a a little bit of ownership agreement and the deal at Rogers place but I I I never write off Edmonton I think it would be awesome to get a team back there and I think that you know one day I I really think the community would support a team again Cody Jansen Saskatchewan Rush play-by-play man is our guest on uh, Sports 1440 the Rush kicked things off uh, tonight in Halifax against the Thunderbirds as the National Lacrosse League is uh, underway for another season so what can you tell us about this Rush team Uh, is it a bit of a transition season for them or what can you tell us? Well, it was a full-on retool in the offseason. That's the simple way to put it. And some of the mainstays that won a championship with that 2015 team in Edmonton, like Ryan Dilks, Mark Matthews, Kyle Rubish, 
they're gone. It was a busy off season for general manager Derek Keenan. Moved on from a lot of those, you know, star players, former star players, and now the youth movement is fully intact. So they went out and, and brought in a lot of young talent. You bring in Patrick Dodds, who's playing down in Texas, Zach Mans, who is out in Toronto. There's a lot of new faces, but it's a lot of players who have already played a year or two in the league. So they do have some experience. You're not completely starting. I, I wouldn't call it a rebuild because I think that this team is going to be competitive. They've proved it in their two preseason games against Calgary and Toronto, who are going to be two of the best teams in the league. That's a Russia right there with them. And then you bring in an elite starting goaltender like Frank Shiliano, which the rush had been missing since the Evan Kirk and Aaron Bold days. And now all of a sudden, I think the team has a little bit of confidence and a new swagger around them. It's a young, hungry bunch and a lot of players who are looking for their first NLL championship. Boy, uh, Aaron Bull, there is a blast from the past, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew. I, I, of course, Edmonton lacrosse fan. Yeah. I love that name, and he's still kicking around there. He's playing out in Vancouver now. So the, there really is. It's funny how many lacrosse connections there are still to Edmonton, oh. even though the Rush don't have a team. And, and that's why like, the game is so big. I know Jimmy was on uh, with Greg. Yeah, the other on day Wednesday. And was, yeah. yeah, and I was looking at the numbers of it, too. And the show, like, there, there's a lot of people who, I, I, I don't call it a sneaky sport, but I really think that there is an aspect of it where, you know, it, it is a very largely followed sport. And that's why you see, you know, the crowds at the Rush are Bring it in in Saskatoon, you know, mm-hmm. ten thousand plus most nights, and a lot of other markets are doing the same. As you know, uh, Cody, I was in TV here for twenty five years, and we covered the rush. And, and again, it's the grassroots thing that you were talking about earlier. You know, we covered the you know the minors, whether it be senior or junior, and that's where these players developed. And to get to this stage, do you continue to see that across the country, or what's your take on that? Uh, where the sport, sport's growing, we know it has that strong strong base in southern Ontario, but do you see it kind of branching out as well? Oh, it's fully shifting. I, I really think, and it's shifting to Edmonton, right? That's I, I think the the job that Jamie Bowen, John Lentz have done with the minors program, Jordan Cornfield as well, where that's now a premier lacrosse club in Canada. You know, it's it's not just Alberta anymore. That is a destination where the, the best lacrosse players want to be at. You think of Levi Anderson, who was a first-round pick, Jake Bowen, who was a second-round pick. The, the minors, the junior A minors, have back-to-back Minto Cups. Two years ago, they were one goal shy. Last year, they lost in the semifinals at home. It, you know, it really, we're seeing those grassroots pick up. And I think that places like Saskatchewan are slowly following behind. I, I think that there just needs to be a little bit more of a push and a little bit more of an actual grow the game mentality, which is why it was awesome to see the rush this year. We had a preseason game in Moose Jump, right? And I think 10 years ago, if you would have told me like, Hey Cody, we're going to have a preseason game in Moose John, It's going to sell out. I would have laughed at you, but there was 4,600 people in there and it was just absolutely rocking. And, and so the rush and the game of lacrosse truly taking that stand to grow the game. That's what's going to take it to the next level and continue to get those numbers up. Cody Jansen, Rush Play-by-Play, is our guest on Sports 1440. What have you seen out in eastern Canada so far in like you know, a city like Halifax and in Atlantic Canada? Well, it's actually my first time out here, so it's a little bit of a different one. And yesterday, didn't really see much. It was freezing rain, so it was tough to even walk <laughs> on the sidewalks. So, yeah, it's been an interesting 
start here. I, I know everyone raves about the clam chowder and the donairs, but yeah. um, I don't consider myself a picky eater. I'm just not a fan of it. So I'll take the pass on that for Halifax, but it is a beautiful city. We're right on the water here. So it's a great setup. The Scotiabank Centre where they play out of, it's a nice barn, probably seats around 10, 12,000 or so, I'd say. They had the World Juniors out here. Yeah. So it's a good setup, and, and honestly, it's going to be rocking. They call it the Nest in Halifax. They've been here now for three years. They've started to, you know, branch out and grow their fan base after moving from Rochester to Halifax. So it's it's interesting times for lacrosse where, uh, you, again, it's the, the opening game of the NLL season. It's a standalone opening game on a Friday night. You know, going to be on TSN one. It's it's going to be on multiple media outlets as well, and it's Saskatchewan and Halifax. So um, imagine telling a lacrosse fan that <laughs> ten years ago that this was going to be the marquee matchup. It's awesome to see, and you can just tell how into it the fan bases are. Well, don't you have to have a donair out there to compare to Edmonton? <laughs> I do, and I was in Edmonton for long enough. Yeah. I, I don't mind them. I, I don't mind them. I'm just not going out of my way in the freezing rain. Like maybe this afternoon, if I walk past a place that smells good, I'll stop in. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, I don't know. You got it, Cody. You have to. Aren't they all? The, aren't they all the same though? Oh no, we had a big debate about this about a month, <laughs> about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Cody, about uh, the difference between the Eastern Canadian Donair and the Edmonton Donair. Duke, what did you? There was a big, massive uh, difference. Yeah, all I did was ask everybody what was their favorite spot in the city, and yeah. then I turned into a bloodshed on the text <laughs> line. Basically, you thought I'd punch somebody's sainted mother in the mouth or something. Like it was, it, people are very passionate about their donairs, Cody. That's that's for sure. Well, and the main difference, I think, from Eastern Canada was the dill sauce. Is that that the, was one, one thing for sure? And apparently, that the place in Edmonton to get a true Eastern one is at uh, Blowers and Graft. Yes, uh, is what we were told. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I've been there before. Yeah. That's a solid spot. But yeah, I mean, if you tell me dill sauce is coming with my donair, I'm turning around. Oh, well, I don't know. But there's garlic in there too. So, you know, and now we're going to get a million texts on this again now, Duke. Um, let's get back to some lacrosse with uh, Cody Johnson. Saskatchewan Rush play-by-play uh, man as the Rush take on Halifax tonight. Out east to, to kick off the NLL uh, season. So, Cody... In your mind, who are some of the strengths, the stronger teams in the NLL this year? Is uh, Buffalo, the defending champions, uh, back to defend? Uh, who are we looking for top dogs in the league? Yeah, Buffalo's the the team to beat. They are the class of the league. They've been to the last three finals. They've won one of those as of last year. They beat Colorado. So they, they've got some of the best forwards in the game. And Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, Matt Vince is their goalie. He's been around the league for 20 years. So they're a very good team. I don't know how much longer their window is. Like I, I don't like using that yeah. term exactly, but I think time does catch up to everyone in some sense. Toronto is loaded up again this year. They're going for a run. They're another aging team that doesn't have a lot of time left to win yeah. before they're going to have to start turning over some players. And then out west, San Diego easy place to recruit players to mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you got a free no agent advantage there in san diego so they've got a really good lineup as does calgary so you, you've got you know four teams that i would say are head and shoulders above the rest on paper mm-hmm. and then you've got a a pretty large middle of the pack I, i'd put halifax philadelphia colorado and saskatchewan in that category where you know they're they're right in the middle spot and I think that those teams 
could be the ones to surprise Mm -hmm. others. You know, if there's one of those teams that goes on a run, I I don't think anyone's fainting. But I also think that, you know, there's a lot of competition at the top this year. And one of the neat things, too, they got rid of the East-West divisions, which is awesome because that was just such a pain previously Mm -hmm. uh, of how they were doing the wild card spots, and it became a bit of a nuisance. So now it's just one through 15 top eight teams make the playoffs. And that's really going to make the stretch run that much more exciting in the NLL. Uh, Cody, what are the crowds like in Saskatoon? How do the rush draw there? And what do ownership do in the sense to, you know, put on events and get people in the building? Uh, what are they doing in that uh, regard to, you know, to make it the atmosphere that you, got, you want to go, hey, let's go to a rush game tonight? So since uh, the, the COVID pause, the attendance has gone down as of most places. It's been around nine, ten thousand for the past couple of seasons, albeit the rush have missed the playoffs for the past two years. So fans are not used to that at all. They're not happy about that and fully understanding, right? That's, yeah. that's not something any fan is happy about. Pre-COVID and when the team was going to the championship, they were putting 13, 14,000 fans in yeah. there. The building seats about 14, five, I believe. So it was it was packed every night and just the, the incredible atmosphere. And as for what they do game-wise, I think what the NLL really does is, is they bring the party to you, right? There's music playing all the time. There's always, you know, halftime shows, pregame shows, post-game concerts. You know, there, there's always something else going on. It's not just – you're not just getting sold on the sport of lacrosse, which some of us love, but some yeah. of us do like the, the extra additions too. Like in Saskatchewan, we've got a New Year's Eve game, and that's been a hit over the past couple of years because <laughs> you get a pregame concert in. You bring in a nice halftime performer. You get a postgame concert. It's really that one-stop shop for people who are looking for something to do on a night like New Year's Eve. And, you know, and you get the lacrosse game in it too, which is always fast. It's physical. It's fun. And I think that the crowd who maybe doesn't love lacrosse per se before they go, once they see a game, they're like, oh, okay, that was fun. I'd go again, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, kind of a hard sport to hate. Uh, what time's the game tonight, Cody? And where can people watch and or listen? So it will be 8 o'clock local time. I believe that's 5 o'clock out where you guys are at yep. in Alberta, 6 in Saskatchewan. I'm going to have the call on 92.9 The Bull in Saskatoon and online, and the game's going to be on TSN 1 in Canada, ESPN Plus in the States. Holy moly, it's a big night. <laughs> of course it is. It's it's cool to see the league grow, right? Yep. And you mentioned getting Edmonton and other team back. I, I really think that the modern NLL is now – shaped a lot more for a city like Edmonton to succeed versus, you know, 2015 or, you know, that 2005 to 2015 era when there was eight teams in the league. It's a little bit tougher and more, you know, less sustainable. So I I think that seeing the league grow, getting the TV deals, getting more media involved, and of Mm -hmm. course, filling the stadiums a little bit more has definitely been a positive for the game. Well, I got to leave you with this, Cody. A texter at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty says the donairs are way better in Halifax. The sweet garlic sauce is so good, coming from the yapper. You got a couple hours here, Code. You better go I out and guess, get one. I guess so. I guess I'll have to text in later and uh, let you know the review. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Have a good call tonight. Thanks, Kevin. Talk soon. That's Cody Jansen, Saskatchewan Rush play-by-play man, as we elevated our game for Ram Elevators and lifts manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. You can trust Ram.com. 
I'm gotta have a donair if you're out there, no Duke. I mean, let's be serious. Well, now I'm craving one. I think I might have to. Come on, uh, we just had Bonton. You can't be hungry I'm all, still. I'm all full of sweets. Did you? What did you have? The Did you have I, the cinnamon I, monkey? I, bread? I had a I had a couple tabs off the cinnamon monkey bread as it was sitting here, and then yeah. there was a the bin of um, cinnamon buns. Or yeah, they're, they're kind of a unique take on the cinnamon bun, I guess. Like they're not your standard one, but oh my god, was it ever good? And then the uh, the caramel apple <laughs> bag of cookies. I had one of those. So I'm uh, I'm all sweetened up for the day. Realistically, I probably shouldn't need to eat anything else all day, but I'm sure I'll find a way. Outstanding. Yeah. When we come back, a uh, little more texting to get to, uh, just to kind of recap uh, because we missed a whole bunch of them there for about an hour or so. So we'll get to some of your uh, texts at one 401 And we're back to wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show right after the break. Sonny James takes us home every Friday for the week. There isn't a better song to wrap the week up, Duke. There isn't. It's just not. It's, there isn't even a question about it. I, I have a hard time arguing with this one, <laughs> Kevin. That, that is, it is a great track and that... That perfect little amount of twang, and it's the, the perfect rap to Feel Good Friday here on the Kevin Carey Show. And it's from Slapshot, and when you see it, you see the bus. You know, Walt, what are you doing? Making it look mean, you know. <laughs> so speaking of that, the CFCW Critter bus rolled into Thorhill last night uh, to take on the community team, and as expected, another win for the Critters. Well, every game is a win for the Critters, but the most important part here, and uh, Marty Stevens sent me a... Uh, a text, well, a couple of pictures, a, a text and a couple of pictures. It was jam-packed in there in the Thorhill Arena. Uh, they had over 350 people. But the most important part, again, they raised over $27,000 for the Ag Society. And, I mean, the CS, and this was the 30th anniversary game. It all started for the Critters 30 years ago in Thorhill. So, you know, you think about things coming full circle and uh, pretty proud at uh, Sports 1440 to, to be part of the Stingray family and to see our sister station, CFCW, you know, continue this on. And it's a credit to, to Marty Stevens and a lot of the, the older guys that have been around here that have continued this uh, tradition on. So, uh, so far since in the 30 years, almost 1.3 million has been raised, uh, you know, across the listening area of, of CFCW in Northern Alberta and Central Alberta in the Edmonton area, uh, you know, that's simply amazing. So next game is in Rimby on December 14th. Unfortunately, these games are being scheduled on a lot of oiler nights. Uh, I was lucky enough to go play in Leduc. So, and then the 14th, there'll be a Thursday night football game as I assume you're at Thursday night football. Correct. Yeah. So I'm down to my last two outings for Thursday Night Football. Um, I have it in front of me. So I'll be at Ellerslie next weekend for Patriot Steelers. Who? That, <laughs> that one screams offense. 7 3. Oh, my God. Mm. Uh, and then uh, the final one I'll be out for is that uh, that Thursday, the 14th, uh, Chargers and Raiders, a little AFC West matchup. So, and then after that, there are a couple more Thursday night games. But uh, since they're into the holiday season, the Brew House has given me reprieve from uh, my duties as host of the game. So uh, into the new year, looking like I will be uh, able to partake in a couple critters outings. Okay, well, I'll, I'll leave you at home to watch the Oilers games sure. and have all the rap for us in the Friday morning. We'll I'll see. go out and play a little fun time uh, community funds raising hockey game. Marty sent me a uh, text or an email late. Well, it was probably late in the morning yesterday. 
that he says, you know, I have Brent Regner lined up as your D partner. And I've, I invited Brent to my golf tournament many years ago. He's from, you know, Westlock area, played for the Vancouver Giants, played seven games for the Florida Panthers and uh, many years in the American Hockey League and then a couple of years, I think, in Austria. So could have been playing with Brent Regner last night. I wonder, he must have just been a stalwart on defense for the Critters. Very exciting. Uh, Walt. Hey, Walt. All right. It's a great song, but there are many better songs from Walt. <laughs> All right, Walt. Oh. boy. boy. Thanks, Walter. Uh, Rodrigo says, hey, Kevin, my name is Rodrigo, and I live in the Thorheld area, and I'm glad to hear you putting us out there. Well, thanks for having the CFCW team out there, Rodrigo. It was... Uh, uh, a good night by all accounts that, from what I've heard. And, and again, the main thing, $27,000 raised for the Ag Society. The Critters 19, Thorhild 7. So little did I know, I I knew a little bit about how the game goes. Yes. So in Leduc, I think the Critters were down, I think it was 5-3 at one point. And they said it's time for this, some kind of a gimmick on the ice. Well... Each guy got a puck and and basically scored. So it was five goals on one shot. All of a sudden, it was eight to five for the critters. And you want to hear about something yeah. else? So uh, once again, from next door, the uh, the CFCW studios, uh, AJ Keller of the Midday Program. Uh, mm-hmm. He normally gets the role that you were situated with while he was gone on a trip. Uh, that game you hadn't played, where despite not being on the ice, you continue to pile <laughs> up assists. Uh, and so I, AJ was back yesterday. I was having a quick <laughs> chat with him out here in the studios. And he, he said, he's like, yeah, Kevin better not steal my thing. He's like, that's my thing. Yeah. I had a few <laughs> apples and I never even was on the ice for any of them. <laughs> Playbook Vic. Here he is. Another one for you, Duke, that you got to get uh, figured out. Maybe you have watched it. I've seen it a few times and you've watched it too. I have seen this one. So yeah. uh, Playbook Vic says, have you boys watched American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story on Netflix? I uh, watched it last night, really enjoyed it. Forgot how incredible he and that Rams team was. Uh, Warner, Falk, Bruce, uh, Tory Holt. You're missing out that one. A great movie from uh, Victor. I believe that's Playbook Vic. It's a really good show. Uh, greatest, greatest show on turf. And just to see, you know, he's stocking shelves in the supermarket. Yeah. No money, no nothing. The, his whole life wouldn't have turned out the way it did had the owner, coach, GM, whatever, of the Iowa Barnstormers not tracked him down and said he wants him to be his quarterback in the yeah. Arena Football League. Yeah, it, it is a great story. And the movie itself, I mean, it is very... Um Disney-esque. I think it's yeah. a Disney film. And so there, there's a lot of like uh, kind of corny parts of it, but it is still very largely based on the true story of Kurt Warner. And it's the, the title is perfect American underdog. It's, it's as inspirational as it comes and what he, uh, you know, through it, put his family through and the, the support from his family and everything to climb that ladder and then go on to be a, a, a Super Bowl MVP quarterback. Like yeah. you can't, you they always make that that thing about like oh yeah Hollywood couldn't write it any better. Well, in this case, that is so true because it is a true story and and Kurt Warner an all timer. And one of the things in the movie that stands out is when he goes to Iowa and he comes off the field after throwing a touchdown. The coach says, "Here's a hundred bucks to your," and he goes, "What do you mean? Well, every touchdown you throw, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars." He's like, "Oh." So now he's, you know, throwing seven, eight a game. He's making some cash. Yeah. And just the fact that they were playing in technically a barn. Yeah. You know, with cattle on the other side and everything. Imagine the smell Just in adds there. to it all. Adds to the story. Oh. Imitation Tom. Good story. Absolute trash movie. 
<laughs> would not watch it again. Well, like I said, it's a Disney movie. Like well, if, if you're going into it expecting some hard-hitting piece, um, then I think you need to lower your expectations because I repeat myself, it's a Disney movie. So, What do you think of Brian's song, Imitation <laughs> Tom? Uh, good story, bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So what's shaking else? Uh, you're going home tomorrow, and you might head to the Bears game tonight, or what's going on? Yeah, I, I'm trying to get a few things worked out to see if I'll be able to sneak down to the Drake tonight. Uh, I know I won't have time to get down to um, Rogers for the Oil Kings game. I'd love to go to the, the Teddy Bear toss, but unfortunately um, that won't work out, but might be able to sneak to the Drake. It's uh, just a little easier getting in and out of there, game yeah. shorter, et cetera. So. It, it is easier in and out, and... That beer stand right down by the glass is a big factor. It's a big convenience uh, factor as well. And, you know, you get a couple <laughs> big rock products for $15 is a big deal as and you're, well. You're laughing at yeah. that point. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's on the go. I'm, I'm going to try and go get the um, my truck service this afternoon. I, I need an oil change before I head home for the weekend. Uh, and maybe even, uh, you know, give a call to our friends at Fountain Tire to see about uh, some, new, some new rubber for the uh, the old wagon. Well, it's exactly what you need. Uh, Imitation Tom says, legit, it's the only movie in my life I have ever rated thumbs down. So you don't like Brenda Warner? You don't like the, the autistic son in the movie? Oh, boy. He's a, he's a hard Tom's, ass. Tom's Imitation a film, Tom. He's a film critic, and you know what? That's okay. Okay, give us your number one sports movie, Imitation Tom. Text us in. What would be your number one sports movie? I, I, this isn't mine, but I was just about to say, Imitation Tom's favorite movie is Rudy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, geez, you think that Kurt Warner's you know, story was cheesy and not uh, and drummed up a little I bit for Hollywood. I can't handle Rudy. Yeah. I hate that movie. <laughs> just hate it. Oh, Victor, oh, Victor, Victor goes to the replacements, yeah. LOL, yeah. Uh, I, Imit- haven't I haven't watched Rudy. Well, if you think... Uh, if you think that the American underdog is a hatched story with <laughs> some uh, pomp, pomp and circumstance, Rudy's 10 times that. Oh, man. I'm a remember the Titans guy. I love, Titan, I love yeah. that movie. That would certainly be near the top of my list. Uh, Miracle uh, with the hockey uh, element. And, and um, I thought Russell, Kurt Russell was tremendous as Coach mm-hmm. Brooks. Um, that one's great. But I oh, remember the Titans. And, and we are Marshall as well, kind of in a similar strain. Um, both of those are near the top of my list. Yeah. In Miracle, I think my favorite, what's your favorite part of the Miracle movie? And I'll, I mean, because there's so many, I'll let, I'll let you think on it a little bit, but yeah. I really like when they were getting bag skated for hours and hours on end. And finally he would, you know, Kurt Russell, who was playing Herb Brooks, would say to a player, what's your name? Who do you play for? And uh, Rob Johnson would go, Rob Johnson, Minnesota. Uh, you know, then they didn't. Well, whoever else, uh, Rob McClanahan, Boston College. Finally, after about seven hours, Mike Arruzzioni goes. Mike Arruzzioni, United States of America. Ah, warms the heart, doesn't ah. it? Even if it is uh, United States of America. But uh, I'm just, I have to get this out here. That cat dad just texted it. MVP, most valuable primate, <laughs> is my favorite <laughs> sports movie. <laughs> Uh, that's major rich. league. Everyone likes major and so, league. Here's the thing. I was not thinking about it from the comedy standpoint because then that is a mm-hmm. whole other can of worms. I love yeah. semi pro Talladega Knights blades, like the Will yeah. Ferrell, the whole sports trope of his thing. But major league is actually probably the top of that list. That, that is one of my favorite movies period. 
Not sports movie, not comedy movie. That movie is pure gold. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, getting back to Miracle, I, I've done so many... I've done a lot of research over the years on Herb Brooks, so know a lot about you know his makeup. And really, when I was lucky enough to be doing Oiler games, to do the games in Minnesota where his statues outside St. Paul, it, you know, it's it's a big deal. I really, if that if if this one line on the in the movies even remotely true, when the United States is playing, I believe it's Norway in a pre-tournament game uh, before the Olympics. And that's when the bag skate. It's when the bag skate happened, but yeah. on the bench is how it started. Phil Vakoda and someone else on the on the bench is saying, hey, do you see that girl in the third row? <laughs> uh, seven rows up in the third row. And, and you can just see the death stare from Herb Brooks going, this isn't going to end well for these guys, no. you know. Oh. But uh, really quick to answer your, your original question, yeah. my favorite part of, uh, I think probably, because I have a huge soft spot for goalies. That's always been, that's what got me into yeah. loving hockey um, was when he's uh, talking about bringing Jim Craig uh, born. He's arguing with Craig Patrick. And he yeah. said his game's been off since his, uh, since his mom died. He's like, have you ever seen him when his game's on? And it's, and then you like, he, he is a huge piece of it. Uh, he was outstanding for that team. So I was, uh, I was a big fan of that part. And remember who was the stunt double for Jim Craig? The one and only Bill Ranford. Yeah, pretty and we cool. talked. We talked about that when we had, when we had Bill Ranford on with Grant Fear. I think that one will probably make uh, our best of uh, poor portion of the program coming up over the holidays. <laughs> and look, most it, most of the Grant yes, Fear conversations. Imitation will, Tom is just getting under your craw right now by going Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a terrible movie. Like yeah. it, it is. It's fun. Like another thing, Disney. It's obviously for kids, but. Yeah. Uh, it is funny. I actually preferred Mighty Ducks 2, where they're at like the Goodwill Games. And I've never seen one of them. Team Iceland oh, is the, are the villains. Uh, our thanks again to Northside Norm for uh, donating his tickets tonight to the Teddy Bear Toss game for the Edmonton Oil Kings as they take on Everett. So thanks to Northside Norm for doing that. Uh, our guest today, Zach Lang from Oilers Nation, Mark Spector, Brendan Batchelor in the 8 o'clock hour to talk hockey. Uh, and then uh, we had Ryan Marsh from the Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, Paul Coffey, thanks to Paul for sitting down the other day. Rob Demosky from ESPN.com and Cody Jansen. Uh, Saskatchewan Rush play-by-play, and of course, our co-host from 7 to 9 for Bonton Bakery, Eddie Steele. And Bonton, thanks again for bringing all the delicious delectables. And thanks mostly to you, our listeners, for staying with us uh, all week long. Couldn't do it without you. We appreciate all your input and your texts and uh, your interaction. And uh, most of all, uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Coming up, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... A former Rochef T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn. Brandon Douglas at 12 o'clock. Lowdown with Alan Mitchell till 2. And that's when Jason Greger drives us home from 2 to 6 on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Top of the hour, Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, a little sports update. 1440 update with the Duke of Delburn. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. We'll see you back here on Monday morning.